actually Riley praying that I'm going, who's preaching today? Um, I, I need to tell you all something. You know, the, the music team, it, it always sounds like there's complete agreement and coordination about the music and, and what we're preaching. And nothing could be further from the truth. Um, I, I, I put together like, oh, I think we may, is it on? Maybe, maybe not. It thinks it's on. <laughs> no? Off mute? I don't know. <laughs> so nothing, nothing could be further from the truth as to, um, you know, the coordination between what I'm going to preach because... Um, I did not finish the the sermon that you're about to hear until like 4.30 yesterday afternoon. So there's no way the music team could have put the music together um, if they had waited that late, right? And um, I, uh, Riley and, and, and Colleen, you know, just picked the music and Sal just walks in and he immediately knows what's going on. And, and uh, I, I love that. And, you know, Al's up here trying to like, okay, what key is this in? <laughs> you know. So um, thank you to all, all you guys for, for putting all that together and, and doing such a fantastic job because, I mean, quite literally, I'm looking, listening to the words that we're singing, and those words literally are ripped right out of the Bible. And, and um, I, I love that part. Nothing, nothing could be more beautiful than to have it sung to you um, exactly what you're going to talk about. Okay. Um, let me open with a word of prayer. Almighty God, how amazing it is to come into your house and to hear your words sung in praise to you. Heavenly Father, that moves us in ways that we could not have imagined. To the Lord of the universe, the creator of all heaven and the earth. How amazing. How incredible. Heavenly Father, we look at your plan, your plan of salvation and bringing us here this morning so that we could hear your words from the prophet Isaiah and how incredible it is to hear those words of praise and how that lifts us up and, and brings us closer to you. Lord, we ask that you would carve that on our hearts to open our, our chests up and just so that we can feel you and know your presence and learn more about you, and to learn more about your Son, and what your Son did for us. How amazing, Lord. We ask that you would come down and be with us this morning to hear the words, and to know that we are contemplating this about you this morning. How great that is, Lord. And we thank you and praise you. 
we lift up the name of Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Amen. So today, we are going to finish up Isaiah 60. And um, by the way, when I sent out the, the notes for what we were doing, there was a typo in there. And um, I'm sure a couple of, of you that are on that list caught it. Um, I said we were going through verse 29. There is no verse 29. We're going through verse 22. Um, 60 ends in verse 22. So um, that was my bad. Um, in here, by the way, there are a lot of, there, there have been, and leading up to this point, my disc. All right. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay, so this is recording, but okay, no problem. Sure. Awesome. Boom, boom. Okay. Ah, perfect. Perfect. All right. Don't go walking around. Oh, man, something else to remember. <laughs> okay. Um, there have been a lot of illusions leading up to this point, you know, mentioned here and there about the ships of Tarshish. We're going to talk about that today. And um, we'll discuss that when it comes up. Just a reminder again, as you're going through this, because when you hear these words, this is not going to be what you're thinking about. But I'm sure it was very much on the people's minds when Isaiah delivers this message. There is just a huge amount of chaos going on in their lives. The, the turmoil and the upheaval going on, and just the fear and the dread in their lives just must have been weighing down on them incredibly heavy at this time. And yet, um, this, it, this message is very uplifting and inspirational. And this must have seemed very confusing to the people at the time. Um, the people of God, when they heard this, it must have brought them great peace and hope. And hopefully they could have seen this as the light at the end of the tunnel, that, that the darkness was about to soon be lifted up for them. And we look at it, and of course, we see the great promise of God in, in these words. So let's go ahead and start. Um, we're going to start at verse 8. Um, so Isaiah 60, verse 8. Who are these that fly like a cloud, like doves to their windows? So this is a clear reference to the outsiders coming in, flocking to the mountain of the Lord. Their sudden appearance and their, the, the surprise of their visit. Keep in mind that this is us. It's talking about us when this comes in. Because as far as I know, none of us have a Jewish background. Um, I should mention at this point, my daughter-in-law um, is Jewish. And um, she, uh, she was raised as a Christian, so she has that huge Jesus background. But she also has many of the traditions that the Jews had. Um, coming from her grandmother. And um, so there, there, she had sort of this mixed household where they would celebrate certain Jewish holidays along with their Christian holidays. And uh, 
it, it's, it's kind of cool to sit down and talk about her upbringing um, about that. And of course, you know, when, whenever this happens, um, we get to play with the baby granddaughter. So this is completely awesome. <laughs> I, I have to mention at this point, they, they came and visited yesterday. And um, yesterday was the very first time that she called me by name, the baby granddaughter. So that was, that was like huge, huge for me. And um, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Bill. <laughs> Bring me back down. <laughs> so yeah, that was that was pretty cool. Of course, nobody was recording at that moment, you know. And and um, Leanne and, and Rebecca, Rebecca both heard it when when it happened because she and I were playing on the floor together, and uh, it, it was it was pretty cool. So verse 9, and here we go. For the coastlands shall hope for me, the ships of Tarshish first, to bring your children from afar, their silver and gold with them, for the name of the Lord your God and for the Holy One of Israel, because he has made you beautiful. God explains here why the outsider people come. They come to hear the name of the Lord, and they can see it in the people of the Lord. Stop and think about this. Did, I'm sure many of you have had this happen, where you interact with people in your, your daily lives, and you suddenly realize that there's something about that particular individual, and you have to go ask them, you're a Christian, aren't you? And, and they go, yeah. We've never talked about it, but how do you know? And it's like, it shows. Um, there, there's a... Air One, this was a joke. And uh, I haven't heard them repeat this very uh, recently, but it's, it's worth repeating at this point. There was a, a, a little girl riding in a, the back of the van as they were driving home, and, you know, Dad's driving home. And um, the little girl in Sunday school had learned a couple of things. And, and uh, so um, she's asking her dad, so Jesus lives inside of us. And Dad says, yes. Jesus lives within, within each one of us. And, and the little girl says, so if Jesus, and Jesus is bigger than us, and oh yes, Jesus is, is huge. He's so much bigger than we are. And so her comment at that point is, well then, he'll show, won't he? And, and I thought that was such a huge thing that this kid figured that out. And um, that was very, very cool. So the question, and I, I have a, had a friend at, at NASA who used to come into my office and he would talk about this. And he said, if the world were trying to convict you of being a Christian, what would they bring as evidence? And it, it was always uh, something that we would encourage each other with from time to time. So this is a reference for the ships of Tarshish. So Tarshish as a name, either a place or the peoples of that place, occur 25 times in the Bible. Okay, so it's a fairly commonly used name in, throughout the Bible. And we believe it to be a city-state outside the Straits of Gibraltar. So 
quite literally you have to go out of the Mediterranean into the Atlantic Ocean and then it's on the coast of Spain to the north of the Straits of Gibraltar. And um, there's a river that flows down into the ocean at that point. And this particular, Tarshish was a particular port that was where this river flows into the ocean. And we believe that this is where the place Tarshish actually comes from. Um, and if we start talking about Toledo Steel, okay, Toledo is a city-state that's in Spain. And, and so there is this association of metal and metallurgy coming from Spain. Well, it turns out that here in this particular verse, it talks about um, the precious metals that come from there, gold, silver, bronze, iron, tin, and the other exotic items that come. And this is the ships that made up that fleet that would bring these things to the Holy Land. And we know that the, there were ships that were made in the Holy Land that would go to this place in order to trade with them, that there were merchants that would do this. We also know that that particular fleet of ships, and this began at the time of Solomon, that particular fleet of ships were wrecked. We're going to talk about this. Um, Ezekiel 27.12. Ezekiel 27.12. Tarshish did business with you because of your great wealth of every kind, silver, iron, tin, and lead they exchanged for your wares. Here again, Haggai 2, 7 and 9. Haggai 2, 7 through 9. And I will shake all nations so that treasures of all nations shall come in. And I will fill his house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of his house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. I, I don't know that we think about that very often that the glory of the house of God will be greater as time goes on than when it was first erected by Solomon. We tend to think of this ancient temple as being so amazing. It must have been so beautiful. All, everything was encased in gold. Um, everything in the temple. And we don't imagine that to be what it will become, but in fact it will be greater. Okay, 1 Kings 10.22. 1 Kings 10.22. For the king had a fleet of ships of Tarshish at sea with the fleet of Hiram. Once every three years, this fleet of ships of Tarshish used to come, bringing gold, silver, ivory, apes, and peacocks. Later in 1 Kings, 1 Kings 22, 48. 1 Kings 22, 48. Jehoshaphat made ships with Tarshish to go to Ophir for gold, but they did not go, for the ships were wrecked at Ezion Geber. And from this we know that those ships were lost in a storm, 
storm came in from the east, um, out of Arabia. So we see this reference to the ships of Tarshish. And in many cases, the, these are in reflection and wishing for a greater time as in the past. So continuing on, verse 10. Foreigners shall build up your walls, and their kings shall minister to you. For in my wrath I struck you, but in my favor I have had mercy on you. So here in verse 10, the outsiders are coming, and they help to build the wall to protect Jerusalem. And we mean that in the literal sense, Jerusalem the city, but also Jerusalem the church. And you, you remember that when we say the church, we're not talking about the building. We're not talking about the walls. The people are the church. And so here we have this particular reference to the church of the Lord and how these outsiders, all of us, are coming to help build the walls that protect the church. Isaiah references the trials of the people of God, that God, the people of God, and what they have endured. But it is also the promise of God's deliverance and salvation. There was a mention earlier of Hiram, king of Tyre, and he helped to build the first temple with Solomon. Um, Cyrus and Darius, kings of Persia, helped to build the second temple. Um, 1 Kings 5, 1 through 12. 1 Kings 5, 1 through 12. Now Hiram, king of Tyre, sent his servants to Solomon when he had heard that they had anointed him king in place of his father. For Hiram had always loved David. And Solomon sent word to Hiram, You know that David, my father, could not build a house for the name of the Lord his God, because of the warfare with which his enemies surrounded him until the Lord put them under the soles of his feet. But now the Lord my God has given me rest on every side. There is neither adversary nor misfortune. And so I intend to build a house for the name of the Lord my God, as the Lord said to David my father, your son whom I will set on your throne in your place shall build the house for my name. Now therefore command that cedars of Lebanon be cut for me, and my servants will join your servants, and I will pay you for your servants such wages as you set. For you know that there is no one among us who knows how to cut timber like the Sidonians. As soon as Hiram heard the words of Solomon, he rejoiced greatly and said, Blessed to the Lord this day, who has given to David a wise son to be over his great people. And Hiram sent to Solomon, saying, I have heard the message that you have sent to me. I am ready to do all that you desire in the matter of cedar and cypress timber. My servants shall bring it down to the sea from Lebanon, and I will make it rafts to go by sea to the place that you direct. And I will have them broken up there, and you shall receive it. And you shall meet my wishes by providing food for my household. So Hiram supplied Solomon with all the timber of cedar and cypress that he desired. While Solomon gave Hiram 2,000 cores of wheat, uh, excuse me, 20,000 cores of wheat as food for his household and 20,000 cores of beaten oil. 
Solomon gave this to Hiram year by year. And the Lord gave Solomon wisdom as he promised him. And there was peace between Hiram and Solomon. And the two of them made a treaty. There's a reference here about the 20 cities that that Solomon gives to Hiram. And in the Jewish tradition, the Bible doesn't tell us this, in the Jewish tradition, one of those cities that, um, that Solomon gives to Hiram is Nazareth. And, and these places were kind of like North Edwards, Boron, Barstow, Baker. The, these were not the sort of places that you think of very highly, right? It, it, we're not talking Beverly Hills or Redondo Beach or any place like that. We're, we're talking about places that are, really? And Hiram was kind of taken aback by this. And, and there's this comment that, that I wish I should have dug this up just to, to, to show you. Hiram makes a comment to Solomon about, you know, what are these cities? And later on in the New Testament, there's the comment between the apostles when Jesus is picking his followers. And um, can any good thing come from Nazareth? And this is where that comes from, actually, that, that Hiram receives these cities from uh, Solomon. And in, they're not anything to really speak of. Ezra 6, 1 through 5. Ezra 6, 1 through 5. Then Darius the king made a decree, and a search was made in Babylonia in the house of the archives where the documents were stored. And Ecbatana, the citadel that is in the province of Media, a scroll was found on which this was written, a record in the first year of Cyrus the king. Cyrus the king issued a decree concerning the house of God at Jerusalem. Let the house be rebuilt, the place where sacrifices were offered, and let its foundations be retained. Its height shall be 60 cubits, its breadth 60 cubits, with three layers of great stones and one layer of timber. Let the cost be paid from the royal treasury, and also let the gold and silver vessels of the house of God, which Nebuchadnezzar took out of the temple, that is in Jerusalem and brought to Babylon, be restored and brought back to the temple that is in Jerusalem, each to its place, and you shall put them in the house of God. So you have Hiram helping Solomon build the first temple. And then you have Cyrus and Darius helping to rebuild the second temple in Jerusalem. And in this case, you have outsiders who are coming to the mountain of the Lord to know who is God. And so many peoples make up the church of the Lord. And this even happened in the Old Testament. Continuing on in Isaiah 60, verse 11. Your gates shall be open continually, day and night. They shall not be shut that the people may bring to you the wealth of the nations, 
with their kings led in procession. The gates to the Lord's kingdom are open wide. It's meant to be that way. The, the Jews didn't think of it this way. To them, it was their exclusive club. And they were trying to build up the walls to keep everybody else out. That's not what God intended. All Reading this, it brought to my mind the Matthew West song about the kingdom of grace and the gates open wide. The gates are open to bring in the wealth of the nations and the earthly kings bring in their possessions, their processions. Verse 12. For the nation and kingdom that shall not serve you shall perish. Those nations shall be utterly laid waste. The kings and the nations that do not honor the Lord are lost. They are cast out away from God. They shall be utterly laid to destruction. Verse 13. The glory of Lebanon shall come to you, the cypress, the plain, and the pine, to beautify the place of my sanctuary, and I will make a place of my feet glorious. I think the reference there to, the, to plain, cypress, plain, and pine, I think plain is actually a kind of a spruce that it's referring to. The close kingdoms to Jerusalem shall be welcomed with all the riches that they bring, cypress, spruce, and pine. Their aroma and the beautiful warmth of the wood are a testament to the grace and the beauty of the Lord's temple. The temple is the resting place of God's feet, the place where his presence touches the earth. 1 Kings 6, 14-28 1 Kings 6, 14 to 28. So Solomon built the house and finished it. He lined the walls of the house on the inside with boards of cedar. From the floor to the house to the walls of the ceiling, he covered them on the inside with wood, and he covered the floor of the house with boards of cypress. He built 20 cubits to the rear of the house with boards of cedar from the floor to the walls. And he built within this within as an inner sanctuary, as the most holy place. The house, that is, the nave in front of the inner sanctuary was 40 cubits long. The cedar within the house was carved in the form of gourds and open flowers. All was cedar, no stone was seen. The inner sanctuary he prepared in the innermost part of the house to set there the ark of the covenant of the Lord. The inner sanctuary was 20 cubits long, 20 cubits wide, and 20 cubits high, and overlaid it with pure gold. And he also overlaid an altar of cedar. And Solomon overlaid the inside of the house with pure gold, and he drew chains of gold across in front of the inner sanctuary and overlaid it with gold. And he overlaid the whole house with gold until all the house was finished. Also the whole altar that belonged to the inner sanctuary, he overlaid with gold. In the inner sanctuary, he made two cherubim of olive wood, each ten cubits high. Five cubits was the length of one wing of the cherub, and five cubits the length of the other wing of the cherub. 
It was 10 cubits from the tip of one wing to the tip of the other. The other cherub also measured 10 cubits. Both cherubim had the same measure and the same form. The height of one cherub was 10 cubits, and so was that of the other cherub. He put the cherubim in the innermost part of the house, and the wings of the cherubim were spread out, so that a wing of one touched one wall, and the wing of the other cherub touched the other wall. Their other wings touched each other in the middle of the house, and he overlaid the cherubim with gold. The resting place of God's feet are found in the Old Testament. Originally the Ark of the Covenant, and later the Temple, and finally the whole earth. So here we're talking about the resting place for God's feet is the Ark. Psalm 132, 7 and 8. Let us go to his dwelling place. Let us worship at his footstool. Arise, O Lord, and go to your resting place, you and the ark of your might. Ezekiel 43, 6, and the first half of 7. Ezekiel 43, 6, and the first half of 7. While the man was standing beside me, I heard one speaking to me out of the temple. And he said to me, Son of man, this is the place of my throne and the place of the soles of my feet where I will dwell in the midst of the people of Israel forever. Isaiah 66.1. We haven't gotten there yet. We will. Isaiah 66.1. Thus says the Lord, Heaven is my throne, The earth is my footstool. What is the house that you would build for me? And what is the place of my rest? So in the future, the entire earth will be the footstool of God. And that is the church that we are trying to build. Verse 14, Isaiah 60, verse 14. The sons of those who afflicted you shall come bending low to you, and all who despise you shall bow down at your feet. They shall call you the city of the Lord, the Zion of the Holy One of Israel. That reference right there, the city of the Lord, it's Jerusalem. And the Zion of the Holy One of Israel is a reference to the mountain of the Lord. Amongst those who oppose the Lord will come some of those who love God. And those who continue to oppose God shall be forced to bow down on the last day. Those who come shall be called the church, and the church shall be called Jerusalem, and the city of the Lord. Zion is the mountain of the Lord, and the Holy One of Jacob and Israel. Verse 15, whereas you have been forsaken and hated with no one passing through, I will make you majestic forever, a joy from age to age. The Lord here promises that the church will be a treasure, majestic forever, to come from the desolation that they are in at that time, that they are suffering through, to the promise of a great future under the lead of the Lord. How great and awesome is that promise? Verse 16. 
You shall suck the milk of nations, and you shall nurse at the breast of kings. And you shall know that I, the Lord, am your Savior, Savior and your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. The milk of nations and nurse at the breast of kings. Clearly, this is figurative language of the comfort and the wealth the outside nations shall bring to Jerusalem. And this is all a sign of the Lord and his promise to the church that the Lord is our Savior and our Redeemer and our King. And he is coming for us, Israel, Jacob, Zion, Jerusalem, God's people. Verse 17, Isaiah continues with the promise. Instead of bronze, I will bring gold. Instead of iron, I will bring silver. Instead of wood, bronze. Instead of stone, iron. I will make your overseers peace and your taskmasters righteousness. Bronze and iron are materials that are used for weapons of war. On the other hand, gold and silver are beautiful and decorative and highly valuable. Further, wood shall be replaced with bronze and stones shall be replaced with iron. Strength, durability, beauty, and utility. These are metaphors for what God is doing with the church. And the Lord brings peace and righteousness in place of the taskmasters and the overseers. Psalm 48, 4 through 11. Psalm 48, 4 through 11. For behold, the kings assembled. They came on together. As soon as they saw it, they were astounded. They were in panic. They took to flight. Trembling took hold of them there. Anguish as a woman in labor. By the east wind you shattered the ships of Tarshish. As we have heard, so we have seen in the city of the Lord of hosts in the city of our God, which God will establish forever. Selah. We have thought on your steadfast love, O God, in the midst of your temple. As your name, O God, so your praise reaches to the ends of the earth. Your right hand is filled with righteousness. Let Mount Zion be glad. Let the daughters of Judah rejoice because of your judgment. Verse 18. Violence shall no more be heard in your land, devastation or destruction within your borders. You shall call your walls salvation and your gates praise. The Lord's salvation and the praise of the church shall con constitute the walls protecting the new Jerusalem, Jesus, and the, pe the Lord's people. And this is a clear reference that you'll recognize right away. Verse 19. The sun shall no more be your light by day, nor for brightness shall the moon give you light. But the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. So here in verse 19, the Apostle John would quote this nearly a millennia later. The Apostle John, remember, is the last apostle, the last man standing. He is nearly 100 years old. He is the last apostle. And with his death, the age of the apostles 
comes to an end. And the Apostle John writes down, and he's telling us of the vision that he has of the New Jerusalem. <clears throat> Revelation 21, 23 to 26. Revelation 21, 23 to 26. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nation. Three verses to go. Verse 20. Your sun shall no more go down, nor the moon withdraw itself. For the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your days of mourning shall be ended. There is no need for the sun, no need for the moon to reflect the light of the sun anymore. The Lord shall be the everlasting light for the new Jerusalem. Verse 21. Your people shall be all righteous. They shall possess the land forever. The branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I might be glorified. The church shall be righteousness and shall possess the promised land forever. The church is the branch of the Lord's planting and the work of his hands and how can we be the righteousness of God? It is because we are covered by the body and the blood of Jesus. And Isaiah closes this chapter with this. Verse 22. The least one shall become a clan, and the smallest one a mighty nation. I am the Lord. In its time, I will hasten it. The least of the church shall become a clan, and the smallest one a mighty nation. You hear that, Jet? The smallest shall be a mighty nation. These are the people of the Lord. And who is it that stands behind this pledge that gives us this promise to stand on? It is none other than Yahweh the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. This closes our passage this week. Next week, Bill has an awesome piece that he's going to bring to us. I'm really looking forward to it. So God announces that he is going to do a new thing. And this new thing is coming from the Lord. The Lord makes the ways of righteousness and justice. God is bringing in all the peoples. All the nations of the earth will come to God's mountain. The Lord is wholly just. And God is the one who is wholly faithful. God knows what the great problem is that separates us from him. And it's the problem of sin. And God knows the only way for sin that sin can be atoned for for the redemption of God's people, for the salvation of God's people. God knows the one who can pay for all sin. 
from eternity past through the present to eternity in the future. God knows, and God knows only his son is just, just and true and can stand in the gap for all the sins of God's people. Jesus. Jesus is the one, the servant, the king, forever. Not created, not made, forever eternal. Jesus is the one that comes, the servant, the son of God, the prince at the right hand of the father. Not created, not made, forever sovereign. Let's pray. Almighty God, what an amazing message from Isaiah that all this will come to pass, that you've spoken it because you are true and you are righteous and at the same time you are just and merciful. Heavenly Father, how amazing is this message that your Son would come to earth to bring this to happen so that your church could cross over and be with you in eternity in the new Jerusalem on the mountain of the Lord. Heavenly Father, how we look forward to that day when Jesus comes again and we will all be in the new Jerusalem singing praise and worship and honor and glory to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We look forward to that day. And we love you and honor you. Amen.